Hey everybody, this is Float On, the podcast that gives you guidance and insight in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. You can't go back, you can only learn and move forward. I'm your host, Dahlia Jean, and I'm super excited that you're here with me. This is season two, episode 10, you guys. We are closing it out, zipping it up, you know how I roll. So my guest for today is super special. His name is F.L. Beattie. He's a musician, author, podcast host who found his love for writing pretty early in childhood. He started writing stories and poems and even creating comic books with his twin brother, Cedric. As an adult, he traveled a lot between Georgia and California, eventually settling in California for a while to focus on music writing and creation. He eventually moved back to Georgia to focus again on music, but writing was just something he could not resist. His first published work called called A Broken Chains, was published as an independent author. He released his second book called The Road Less Traveled. He also contributes to Aspiring Authors Magazine, which is a Facebook page as an editor. His writing can also be found in his personal blog, and he hosts The Author's Alley, which is a radio show powered by Trailblazers Radio, which is his flagship radio station, which is super cool. As someone who continuously learned from life, he's had to rebuild the person that he knew he was from the bottom up, really. He lost a child to police brutality, which is the unimaginable for so many of us. And Frederick took time out of his day to join me to talk about his journey as a parent, relearning how to get through his days dealing with this immense loss. Our conversation not only focuses on Frederick's life journey and his ability to live and learn, but we also talked as parents who are incredibly different as outside perception would assume, right? I'm a white woman. He's a black man. And yet we had this really awesome conversation and what I would lovingly call a heart to heart. And I feel like I learned a lot from Frederick just being a mother of a multiracial son and just taking on some of his perspective. So I really hope you guys enjoy this last and final episode of the second season. I'm going to chat a little bit more about what the future holds for the podcast in the outro. But for now, I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Frederick. Guys, I am so super excited for my guest today. His name is F.L. Beattie. I am so excited, Frederick, for you to be here. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. I Like I said, I'm just so excited to be speaking with you. And I know your story is such a, it's such an absolute power, powerful story. And I know there's going to be listeners out there who really benefit from what you're going to share with us today. So do me a favor, tell us a little bit about some of the important moments of your life where you really realized that you were a lifelong learner and how, how you feel like you kind of were led to that point. Well, besides high school and, you know, going through the high school experience, which was a hell of a learning experience for me. I think my journey in the military and also outside of that were the penultimate experiences for me. Going in the military taught me a little bit of discipline. It also taught me to be self-sufficient. Taught me more to be more of a people person because I was a lot more than myself. And based on the job that I had, I was in front of people daily. And it taught me to come a little bit more out of my shell. Mm-hmm. As I, as I you know, gradually transitioned from military to civilian experience and transitioning over to working in the civilian sector in, in healthcare. I've been doing healthcare for a long time. And every day that's a learning experience because you, you get to deal with people of all cultures, all races and things of that nature. And you find out that everyone has unique needs and you're there to try to offer solutions for these people. Some people are right. a lot more stable than other people than other people who are not. Situations are so much different. 
and you have to adjust yourself accordingly to meet the to be too. Yes. I feel that way about anything, like working with people. It's always yeah. it's always just that you have to be on your toes. You have to be on. <laughs> like when you go to work, you can't be anything but ready to go because you never know what you're going to encounter. And, you know, like you working in healthcare, I'm a teacher. So I feel like for me too, it's that same sort of vibe where it's like, I can't just, you know, you have some friends who like work in an office, they just go there and they don't feel good or whatever. They just sit at their desk and get through the day. But it's like with our jobs, when you work with people, you can't, you got to be on ready to go. Yeah. You can't always turn it off either because then you have, right. you have to try to apply the things that you teach people or that you you give people to try to apply it to your own life there's a hint the difference of trying to apply things that you tell people you try to apply it to your own life and that's the difficult part of it you try to tell yeah. people to be calm cool and you're trying to attach that to your own life and it's difficult right yeah it is especially because you know it's one of those things where i feel like we have our own coping mechanisms and we have our own ways that we choose to sort of get through life and those tough times or those hectic moments or those you know moments of uncertainty can be very very trying it's a very stressful situation and I think that it's tough we don't know how people think or what else they have going on in their lives and and so when you're working with people it's just you always got to be ready and you never know you never know what's coming at you each day you know it's an adventure but on some levels I feel like it's fulfilling that way too you know yeah well the, the trick is you got to be on all the time and again you know yeah. there's for some people now there's necessarily not an off switch Yes, so, I agree. Question, so, Frederick, how question, old were you when you transitioned from the military to working in the medical field as a civilian? I, I served from 1990 to 1993, so I was about to between 21 and 22 when I transitioned from okay. military to civilian life. I actually hadn't done anything in customer service or healthcare until 2013 because I was working for a transportation company for a while. And my journeys have, have taken me between here, between Georgia, where I'm from, in California to where, you know, where my brother was and those, those, those wow. yeah, so my journey has taken me from there to California, to Washington State, to Virginia, and then, and then back then to Florida, then back here, then back home again, and so it's been more or less a, not necessarily a circuitous journey, but it's been one with yeah. many points in between. Right, and I know you have children, did your kids, like, were you moving around with your kids and your family at that time, or did they come after? My firstborn son came while I was enlisted. My other three children came after I was out. So to be respectful to the, the mothers of my children, none of those relationships worked out for the best. However, you know, as a, well, I hold no grudges against nobody, against neither one of them, because right. in essence, some of the things that happened within those relationships were my fault. So I, you know, it took a while for me to realize and understand that. So I hold no yeah. grudges against them. They're, That's big you know, of you to admit. I feel like some people don't look back on their lives and are willing to admit if they were even a part of the problem. So I think that's really big of you to be able to acknowledge that, especially when it comes to like, I mean, I myself have a, a son shared with an individual who he actually lives in Charleston and we had our times and it didn't work out and we're co-parenting as best as we can. And, you know, we just got to be respectful towards each other and respect that journey and that time that you had in your life where you were together, you had a child or children, you know, and you got to just keep it respectful and you know like with my son like I would never say anything bad to him about his father or my relationship with him is separate than my son's relationship with him and they should be you know that's his dad so he gets to have his own relationship with him so right. I totally understand that scene totally 
<laughs> I totally get it. Right. So you really did kind of had a an interesting life moving around and stuff when you were younger. And I think that the military is definitely one of those things where it'll get you get out and get you moving. Like you said, you know, you were kind of, you weren't as personable or like you weren't as outgoing or like willing to kind of work with people before. And then bam, you're kind right. of thrusted into this situation where you have to... <laughs> learn about yourself there's a lot of learning about yourself i think when you go through something like that wouldn't you say i would i would and even to this day it's still a learning experience because you learn more about yourself daily i mean even yeah with even with all the things that i've experienced um so you know some good some negative some indifferent you know there's there's a lesson to be learning in all of it i think for a lot of people it's going to be the learning of the lessons the difficulty of the learning part of it because yeah everybody wants the lesson right then and there they don't want to go through the learning process to understand why the lesson is yeah i know and sometimes i feel like when you go through the hardest times those are really the times where you want to look back and think about those some people say like oh why do you dwell why do you dwell it's like no i'm reflecting there's a difference there and i think that it's for some people and i encourage my listeners to do this learn from life is it really is about that reflection process and you you're not going to get much out of the mishappenings in your life if you don't reflect you know, it's no one's going to come along and spell out those lessons for you. Nobody's going to pull out their chalkboard or their whiteboard and, and write them all down for you. You have to be willing to do that work and figure out what it is that you're learning from a situation and then how you're going to proceed forward in either being better or helping someone else or whatever it is. That's going to give you that closure. You know, if you just kind of continue on with thinking like, oh, stuff happened and I just got to move on. Well, but how are you preventing, you know, something similar to happen or how are you trying to be a better person so that you can learn something from it. Yeah, it's important. And I think the one thing that I've learned is the, the key word for me, especially when going through the current journey I'm going through, is focus and, re and reset. And those are yeah. words that are... Tell me a little bit about it, Frederick. So let's see. To, to begin at the beginning, July 4th of 2015, um, I received a phone call from my oldest son's grandmother. She told me that something had happened. She took the long way around to telling me that my son was shot and killed by a, a Newport News police officer. The subsequent events that followed behind that were a whirlwind. So, and when I say a whirlwind, because I, mean, I think half the time I wasn't always present in that moment or in that time when it was when things were happening. Yeah. So I got the word that he was killed. Went to Virginia uh, a week or two later. We can, we, you know, we paid our last respect and, and things of that nature. Celebrated his life the whole time. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. I was. Yeah. You know, I was emotionally with that. Um, oh yeah. Well, you know, fast forward. Is... You know. Oh my gosh. Forward, I mean, fast forward a few years later. Now you know. It's still, it's still a major part in my life because of the things that happen now with the, you know, yeah. the George Floyd, the Breonna Taylors and things of that nature. And yeah. it's, a, it's a constant thing, you know, just recently, and I'll say recently as of August of last year, I decided to be a therapist. Yeah. Very nice, very wonderful lady. I mean, I, I love this lady to death. I love this lady to life, actually. She's been my constant. I was diagnosed with, with anxiety and PTSD, you know, and that that was a, that was a yeah. new thing for me, too. Yeah. I felt like I had to relearn myself all over again. Yeah, and that PTSD is intense. <laughs> I was diagnosed with it as well. I think if you have any trauma in your life, and that's something where people, I think, sort of stigmatize it and think, oh, it has to have, you know, something horribly tragic has to happen in your life or, like, some, some intense event where you're experiencing something really scary. But it's like any sort of horrible thing that can happen in your life is traumatic. And if exactly. it's all about the way that you process and deal with it. And with that situation happening the way that it did, you found out you guys had 
to go. And like you said, it was a complete whirlwind in your grief. Grief is something that when you go through the process of grief, especially with a sudden death like that of your own child who has not lived a full life, you're frozen. Your body freezes, your your mind goes into a state of just auto cruise. And so you are like that whole when you said like, oh, it was a whirlwind. You literally you're partially there. So things are happening around you and you're just trying to accept reality and it's very difficult. And that's great that you went and got the help. I as well went and saw a counselor at one point in my life and they say it's the strong ones that go and get that help because you want to heal and you want to figure yeah. out how to move forward. Yeah. And for me, it's just, a, it's always been the, the word reset. You know, I've learned to reset myself daily because every day is different. No two yeah. days are alike. And to make sure that I've been my, my thing, the thing that I tell myself every day is to be better, be good today, but be better tomorrow. Yeah. And it's it's something that, that, that carries me. Now, even in the midst of losing a child and then now just a marriage, you know, acknowledging the fact that my marriage to my spouse of 12 years is over now just because of the things we both experienced. Yeah. It's been crazy. It's an emotional roller coaster for me because there's there are up days, there's down days, there's in between days, and then there's days where I'll just, I just say to hell with it <laughs> and be like, you know, it's, it's, it'll be whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever's coming is going, I don't worry. But now, as I'm relearning myself, I understand that, you know, hey, I'm human. I'm not perfect. Right. I also began to understand it's okay for me to feel the things that I feel. It's okay for me to acknowledge my emotions, acknowledge what I feel, yeah. acknowledge how I feel. None of those things are weaknesses. Right. And also understand that, you know, the definition of what of what people think is masculinity or healthy manhood, those those definitions are, are varying within the individual. There's no one, there's no yes. cookie cutter thing for this. There's no cookie cutter thing right. for someone expressing how they are, expressing who they are and how they are. You know, people always yeah. say for for us guys, it's, it's, we're supposed to be men. We're supposed to be the strong person. We're supposed to be like, no, you're not supposed to take on. You're supposed to just be the stoic person. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I've had to learn that it doesn't work that way. And it's been a process. It's been a process of being completely broken out from mm-hmm. the person where I, the person that I was at the prior. And then rebuilding myself to the person that I'm becoming. Yeah. Much more observant. A little bit more reserved, but still acknowledging what I feel and then being and understanding that, that it's okay for me to express how I feel without any judgment or without yeah. any backlash. And that's the that's really been the difficult process for me to just really come into the understanding of that and be accepting of that. Because yeah, it's been crazy. It's been it's, it's been a crazy transition. Yeah, and and the more you try to do it, the more put in front of you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've had to learn that as well. Being it's a totally different scene for me. I'm a white woman here in America. If I want to cry, I can cry. And I think for you, being a black male in this country, male black, it is one of those things where your your strength, you're kind of like viewed as this person where you're supposed to be tough. You you know, you're supposed to be this person who can just bottle it up and move on and I think for you to go through this process, and I think what you said was so powerful about rebuilding, like starting over. You know, if you go through something and you realize it's not working, you're like, you know what? I'm just stripping it down to nothing. And let's start with the foundation. Let's start with the strong. Let's start with that emotional self-awareness and being able to acknowledge your feelings and acknowledge where you're at each day. Not just how you're going, not just saying I'm going to start at point A and end at point B and close my eyes and hope I get there. Every single day, you're checking in with yourself, you're resetting, you're figuring out where you're at. Because I think that especially for me, I lost my grandparents who were like emotionally, they were like my parents. And to imagine, I actually had tears 
for a minute there. I don't know if you noticed, but I was just imagining how I would be if I had lost my child. Okay. And honestly, I don't even know if I can communicate in words that level of fear that it comes over me just trying to imagine where you actually live your life that way every day trying to cope with that. And I just think that it's such a powerful thing that you're saying that you are willing to do what you do every single day. You're just waking up saying, you know what, I got to figure out where I'm at today. And that's where I'm going to be. And that's how I'm, that's where I'm going to go from today. And it helps to have folks, have people in your corner that will advocate and fight for you. That will tell you, they'll give you the, give you that harsh reality or that hard truth to where you're like, I mean, because there's been times where I've had people that were very close to me that I've been known forever that they give me, they give me that hard reality check and it hurts yeah and then i asked them well why are you hurting me and well i'm and they'll tell me always tell me what i'm doing is not meant to hurt you what i'm doing is meant to to better you you know thank you'll thank yeah. me later and it's i think with anyone that's trying that's going through something like anything of this nature or anything any type of traumatic event it is difficult to rebuild because unfortunately doing this whole thing and this is something that i've learned that i've had to do on a constant basis you're you're constantly tearing down you're constantly tearing down your and you're constantly rebuild it because some aspect yeah. of it, some aspect of the building doesn't look like, or maybe the foundation needs strengthening here, or maybe you need to take this whole section, you need to remove a whole section just to make room for another section. So mm-hmm. the rebuilding, because you're, because you're constantly tearing down and rebuilding, for me, that's been the most difficult part because it, because it has been a source of pain. Yeah, kind of our revisiting things. Yeah, and it's a, it's a constant source of pain, and you have to wonder, just navigating through the pain that I think that it helps a lot of people. You know, I, I tell myself every day, I'm, I'm stronger than most people because of what I've experienced. That doesn't make me invincible. Right. You know, and I, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that fact. And there have been times for me, even over the last couple of weeks, where, you know, things weren't the way they were supposed to be. And like, you pull yourself away from it and you analyze it and you say, well, what did I do wrong or what could I do better to make that situation a lot better? And then once you analyze mm-hmm. it and you come across the solution and you, and you execute it. The thing is, my fear is always, my fear now is because I have three other children, um, two more, two boys and a girl. My my daughter, she's, she's 23 years old. She's married in Japan with her husband. And then I have two other boys, one's 20, one's, one's 23. So there is that constant and constant fear of yeah. getting another phone call saying something tragic has happened to your child. And there's that constant fear. Yeah. You know, when my, when my daughter is a different fear, you know, yeah. she's married and things are out. The only thing that I tell her is like, is make sure that your husband treats you correct, you know, because if not, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in Japan. I'm gonna come see, I'm gonna see about you, my friend. But, <laughs> but even with the fear, the thing with my, with my, with my two sons, you know, it's, it's that constant fear. And I, and I'm not gonna make this a racing because honestly, it's not. But because of this, yeah. it makes them a threat. And right. I try to tell my, my youngest one, look, live your life. You know who you are. You know where you stand. You know, yeah. just know that there are obstacles in front of you that you that you're gonna have to overcome, or you're gonna have to jump over, or go through, or go around. And right. then I have a I have a granddaughter that's five years old from, and she she is the reason why I do a lot of the things that I do currently. She is the reason for me pushing forward as far as being a lot more vocal. You know, she's my reason for you know really doing podcasting and things of that nature because I want to be able to leave something behind for her. She needs to have that's a legacy beautiful. that she can that she can build upon, and that's something that she can take with her as she gets older and she can 
and she can take it and she can make it her own. Or even if she yeah. doesn't want to take it, if she can use the lessons to make it her own thing. I love so, it. That's so great. Do you guys spend a lot of time together, you and your granddaughter? We spent time last year and then we ended because she lives in Virginia, we I try to talk to her as much as I possibly can. But you know, yeah. being working and managing a podcast platform kind of makes certain things a bit difficult mm-hmm. because of the nature of what I do and then also trying to be trying to be a creative still. So yeah. It, it makes yeah. it difficult, but as much time as I can devote to her, I, I do. Yeah, that's beautiful. I was real close with my grandparents, and my grandfather, actually, his birthday was yesterday. He would have been 90, and uh, it's always a bittersweet day for me because I wish he was here still. You know, he was such a great guy, and I learned a lot from him. And so if you're living your life with that direction that you want to teach her things and leave her something, that's a beautiful, beautiful legacy to leave behind, you know. And when it comes to your kids, I was listening real hard at your advice, man, because my son is, he is of mixed race. You know, he's half black and he, he's got the hair and he's got the look and he might not be quite as dark, but I've had conversations with him about all of this stuff going on in this country and that he has to just be aware, like you said, you know, go out and live your life, but understand that you might have a situation come up that maybe your friend next to you who's white is not getting treated the same way. And you just have to be aware of what's going on, you know, understand that that's the reason why. And it's sad. It's heartbreaking for me to have to tell my son that, you know, like, hey, it is because of the color of your skin. They're going to perceive you a different way. They're going to have a different expectation of how you're going to react and act in the first place. And, you know, you just have to be aware of it and understand that, this is where we're at. I never, he's 12. And I honestly can say that I thought when I had him that I would never have to have this conversation with him. I just thought it was going to get better. I just thought we were all moving forward as a human race. I've always lived my life that way. I've never judged people based on any differences that they've had to me. And I think that um, on some levels, I was blind to my own optimism in thinking that uh, everyone would just follow suit with getting along and wanting to live in harmony. I, I thought that that was how everybody wanted to be. And now that I'm in my 30s, I understand that there's a lot of hate and there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of unfairness in this world. And you just got to have your own way to deal with it. You know, it's so hard. It really is. And like I said, I just can't imagine continuing to father your children who are also dealing with the loss of a sibling and having to be that man to stand up and and make sense of it for them and try and explain it to them. You know, I think that um, it's powerful that you've directed yourself in so many beautiful ways. You've got your publication of your poems, right? A Broken Chains. You've got your podcast yeah, and, 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 and your music yeah um i mean it's 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 crazy that you mentioned something about the you know conversation it's something that you mentioned that was very powerful to me you you said that never in a million years would you have to figure that you figured you have to have this type of conversation with your son nope. that's a powerful state on so many levels because honestly i don't think anybody would have these types of conversations i don't think any of these types of conversations would have arisen would have arisen you know and for me i, I can be more if i to make it a slightly more relevant you know back in 92 when everything happened with you know with Rodney King and uh, the riots and stuff like that you know yeah I was personally there in the city of Los Angeles when it, wow. when it, when it happened safe and safe anonymously safe and sound but I was personally there wow. so when you think about stuff like that you know you you don't you feel that you when as a as a mom and as a as a mother and as a father as a parent you want to tell your kids that it's okay to be different 
it's okay to embrace certain things, different things about one another as a human being. Unfortunately, that part of the conversation gets distorted and gets distorted in platitudes and what we see on social media and things of that nature. Now, not to say that all things in social media are bad because they're not, but it does, but it does get distorted by platitudes, by people not acknowledging that these things don't exist because I've heard it more than one time. That doesn't exist here. Says who? Yes, it does. It's everywhere. Says who? And I'm looking around. Who said that? So I understand because I can. I can most definitely. I can most definitely sympathize with what you're saying when when you say having that difficult conversation with your son. And I can now. Now I can't even. I can't even imagine the the emotion that you felt when that when you having that conversation or even talking to him about something like this. Who would have thought that talking about talking to something about police brutality and race would be a conversation to have at a dinner table? Yeah. Or just sitting around and sitting around just. And I couldn't even imagine the difficulty that you, the difficulty of that for you, because it's because it's, it's a tough conversation. And as a parent, you wouldn't know what angle to, to approach it at, approach it from. How do I talk to this 12 year old kid, this 12 year old mixed race child that I have, that I love and I care about so dearly and so deeply about who he is and what he may encounter? I would, to me, I think that would be a, a heart wrenching, be a heart wrenching thought process. I mean, just thinking about that now, because my daughter's a mixed race, just thinking about that now, you know, raising me. To, to some emotion to some to a lot of emotion because what can you tell that that yeah. you know you're because of who you are yeah like on some levels i feel like i i felt like i had to have that conversation because of where we're still at you know and that he's getting older and he's gaining his independence he wants to get out and be around the neighborhood i live on campus i live on bw campus baldwin wallace in ohio here and so it's a college town everything's close together they can get out walk around it's a lot of fun for the kids but it's also important that he understands you know but i i mean i'll be honest with you frederick i cried like he knows i'm not gonna hide my emotions from him that's something that i've learned as a child i felt very disconnected from my parents on some levels and I'm open with him about my emotions so we had this conversation but the tears were streaming and even still I get sad because we have rules here like he really likes those little cap guns you know they're just like little toy he's 12 and we have a rule that he can only play with them in the backyard behind the house because he can't the one is like an antique it looks kind of real it's like a black it's black it's not a bright orange or you know blue it's a gun that's metal and i tell him all the time like you know you cannot take this with you anywhere and you have to have it only in the backyard you can run around with your friends in the backyard and play and just to have to explain that to him is sort of like i feel like on some levels i'm stripping him of his own innocence you know like i have to make him an adult in this sense on some ways because it's like i can't risk ever having him unknowingly take this thing out and then something horrible happens i mean come on this is like not worth the risk he's got to be aware of what you know what the world is like out there so it is sad it's hard and it's that fear of what could happen and it and you're living that reality of losing a child over over something like this and I just I don't know what else to do it's just that thing where you're like you know I gotta I gotta have this conversation and we have it from time to time because I I don't want them to forget you know I feel like kids grow up and they're like oh we had that conversation last year things have changed no they have not you know just as me in my early 20s thought as a parent oh I'm having a child with you know my my partner who's black and we're gonna have a mixed race child and 
thinking, oh, things are just going to get better. They haven't gotten better and they haven't changed in a long time. And they're and they're we're still struggling here, you know, and uh, it's just it's really hard as a parent. And I know you can relate. And like I said, I just think for you to have to deal with this pain every day and yet you're funneling it in such beautiful ways, I think is just really admirable. And I want you to know that I notice and appreciate what you're doing. And I think with it, and I appreciate that. And I think the, you know, the other thing that you mentioned is that the as a twelve year old, you know, we both know this from being twelve years old ourselves. We're just we're learning about ourselves emotionally and mentally. You know, we're growing into ourselves physically. We're beginning to develop more of a person, more, more of our own personality. And, you know, we want to exert a little bit of our own freedom. It's too. Yeah. And I know for me personally, you know, life as a 12 year old for me was was rather, was rather carefree because, you know, I, you know, the only the only worry I had to do is what, 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 what was I going to wear going outside to go play with my friends or what activity we were going to do when right. going outside, you know, because there were plenty, there were plenty of things for us to yeah. do. Now can't, you know, it's difficult to me, like I said, the onset of social media and things of that nature have made things. So I won't say, like I said, because all things in social media are not bad. But then when you look at us growing up then to now, there are significant changes, you know. Now that yeah. I mean, you have in this conversation with your son is, and then, you know, him understanding that, you know, this is pretty much what is going to be his, is going to be his, I won't say his lot in life, but that's going to be what, you know, who, what he is and what he, what he could potentially be branded as. Yep. You know, I think and it's the and the funny thing about it is, you know, kids nowadays are so much more, so much more smarter and so much more observant now because not not just because of what they see on social media, but also because they're alive, because they're they're also self informed. Mm-hmm. They see what's happening. Yeah. They they see what's happening and they and they understand it all too well. Yeah. You know, it's just to think about, you know, kids, you know, kids being activists now. A, a young kid being an activist for climate change or a young kid being an activist for social change and a young kid being an activist just for, for whatever type of whatever they feel they need to be an activist for. It speaks volumes to the generations that have got to come before, but it also speaks volumes to the lessons that those kids learn from their parents and, pro- and from their parents' parents and also from people that were related to them down the line. Because mm-hmm. that, because, you know, when you see kid, when you see a twelve year old being an activist, well, what do they know about what's going on? You'd be surprised, right? What a twelve, what a twelve year old knows. And like I said, they're yeah, they're especially when they're into something like that. And they're and they're much more informed now than they're much more informed now than we were at twelve year old. The one thing I could probably you know maybe offer maybe one bit of advice. I mean, I won't even say it's advice because you know, but to offer someone advice means is like to gently telling somebody to do this. And I'm not that I'm not that type yeah. of person. If I could offer a word of wisdom or something like something his, that your son could for you know for the remain for the remainder for his life for his experiences as a teenager and also his experiences as an adult, acknowledge who you are because that's going to be who you are for the remainder of your day. Understand who you are and also understand that not he's not the stereotype. Yeah, he's not a stereotypical person that other people make him will, will make him out will make him and other people like him out to be. That's real powerful. You think and, about it, yeah, because it, it makes a difference when we as kids, we parents, we're the ones that shape and mold these, shape and mold our kids. Our kids learn seeing art by seeing us yeah. stand and seeing us fall and then seeing us stand up again and then fall again and stand up again. So they learn through our lessons mm-hmm. and they take those lessons that we learn that they learn from watching us learn and they they apply those to their lives because they. And because I, I hear kids say, I'm not going to make the same mistakes my mom and dad made. I hear it all the time. And in most cases, it rings true. Yeah. But we mold, we mold these kids. We they, we shape these kids into the people that they that they are, that they become. And I, I do believe that it's important for us as 
and as parents that we continue to try to impart our life lessons into them because those lessons have value. Those lessons have, have meaning. They have relevance. They have relevance mm-hmm. today. No doubt. I mean, I can tell by that you're an amazing parent because the things that you told us, the, the things that we discussed just now, you know, yeah. to have a difficult Thanks, conversation, that takes courage. That takes courage. Yeah, it does. But I think, you know, these power, these conversations are powerful too. You know, they're really something that I think people can listen to and learn from, you know, two people who grew up in totally different ways, who are different as far as identity goes, you know, in terms of just who we are as two people. And yet we can come together and have a really valuable conversation about lots of things, life, parenting, loss, getting through stuff, picking yourself back up, being emotionally in touch with yourself and present with where you're at each day. And I think it just goes to show anyone who's listening that it doesn't matter who you are on the outside, on the inside, we are all people. We are all people who are emotional, who deserve love, respect, who have to process emotions, who need to learn from life, who need other people to care for us so that we can care for them. And I just think it's it's so important. Yeah. So Frederick, before yeah. I let you go, I do have yeah. one one important question that I know you're going to have something amazing for. And that is if you if there's anyone out there who's listening who may connect with you on any level, you know, through loss or through just trying to learn through life and be the kind of person that you are working so hard to become, what would be the advice that you would give them? The best advice is to give anyone. And, it, and this is what and what I'm going to say is it's going to be it's irrespective of what you go through, but it's applicable to what you go through. To what, it's applicable to any situation. Let's just be honest. Life's a journey. It's a journey that at some point has a definite end. The question is, what are you going to do along that journey? Are you going to learn? Are you going to learn the lessons that you need to learn? Or are you going to, are you going to be stuck? And also when they understand that journey, there are going to be people that are going to ride that are going to be along with you for the ride. They'll stay there. They, either they'll stay there for a short term. Or let's say they're for an extended period of time. Yeah. Eventually, they all get off. In life's journey, our destination is our, our destination is already predetermined. So our destination has already been been mapped out, been been put on been put on the map as that big red center mm-hmm. dot. The excitement is going on the journey and learning and learning the lessons that learning the lessons on the journey. Yeah. So the biggest advice I can give to someone in to anyone, your destination is predetermined. Enjoy the journey. I love that so much. I agree with you. You know, I feel like when you're uh, wherever you're at in your last final moments of your life, everything's going to flash before you. You're going to have this moment in your life where you get to decide, did you do what you wanted to do? Did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish? And that's how I live my life is every day, just like working towards that fulfillment in case that time comes. I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. I want to make sure that I can say I lived a full life and I didn't say no to too many things and I didn't let life pass me by and just kind of wasted it away. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I'm doing and really living life to the fullest. And so I'm with you on that. And I think for for two, like with my son, it's like I want him to have, he's going to have all my artwork and my podcasts and he's going to have all this different stuff to have as has a memento of me and who I was and how I lived my my life and I think that through our actions we teach our children through what we do and how we live our lives and it's not just what we say but what we actually do every day and yep. uh so I'm definitely with you on that I think that's so beautiful it's such beautiful advice it is and, and you know if I could offer another piece of advice for some for people for us for people that are living. too often we as human beings live for tomorrow and we're not present in today mm-hmm. live today tomorrow ain't promised to you so make the best of today now right. 
because when you lay down at night, it ain't guaranteed you're going to wake up in the morning. So give yourself, give 100% to today. Yes, I love that. Frederick, it was so much fun having you on. You know, I feel like we should do this more often. I'll come on yours, you come on mine. We'll just talk about hey, life. Let's do it. <laughs> it was so much fun having you on, seriously. And thank you for spending this time with me and my listeners and opening up on levels of just, you know, really, really sharing what's going on inside of you. Someone who experienced such a, an insane immense loss and like I said I just want you to know that I'm I see you I see what you're doing and I think it's really great so thank you so much for being on Frederick thank you I appreciate it thank you for having me on and then whenever you're ready to come on just let me know man we, we, we connected on social media so just let me know when you're ready yeah let's do it I'm excited most definitely I'm looking forward Thanks, to Frederick. it you're welcome So there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Frederick F.L. Beatty. He's a pretty awesome dude. Just gotta say it. And yeah, it was an emotional talk for me, which was kind of heart filling. I walked away from that conversation feeling like, wow, that was one that I will not forget. And I just appreciate his willingness to be open and share his feelings and his journey with me and with all of you guys. That's really it for season two. It's come to a awesome close and I have a lot going on this summer. Lots of family things. My sister's getting married. My brother's having a baby. I've got some art markets that I'm going to be doing and want to get out and promote my book over the summer, which if you haven't checked it out, you can at my website at daliagene.com slash books. I wrote a children's book called Be Still, Love Nature. You can check it out for free actually on my site. So I've got a lot of things going on and I'm also pursuing my master's. So this podcast, is really just meant to be sort of a passion project for me. I am overwhelmed with the amount of love and positive feedback that I get back from doing these episodes and making this podcast for you guys. And I want it to continue to be a source of joy for all of us, including me. So I don't want to spread myself too thin this summer. I do plan on coming back to the mic if you will, in the fall. And I've got a few ideas on what I want to do for season three. No matter what I do, it's always going to focus on just learning through life. You know, like what does that really mean and what does that look like? And I think there's so many aspects of life where you can narrow that focus a bit to learn to take on a different outlook and continue to create that habit of learning through life. So I've got a few ideas. I've just got to kind of pan them out and decide on which one I want to pursue. But my goal is to be back in the fall for a third season before I close out the year 2021. So this has been a really fun thing. I appreciate all of you for listening. I can't thank you enough. And if you have any friends who you think might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them because I do plan on coming back. And if you haven't checked out season one, 
do so. It's more of a solo gig for me. And I kind of break down some life skills on learning and organization and prioritizing yourself and all that good stuff. The second season has been more of a guest series, which has been very full bodied. And I'm really, really thankful for all of my guests who came on to the show and shared with me their thoughts, their perspectives, and, you know, lots of advice for you guys. So again, thank you. Thank you so much for just being here. I I just hope you guys enjoyed this season. If you did, leave a review. Reviews and subscriptions are the two big things that will continue to grow this podcast, which is my goal. It's really, you know, something that I do because I love helping people. That's a big part of who I am. And I want it to continue to do that. I want it to continue to help people. So please consider leaving in a review and subscribing, which will help a lot. So as I let you go, you guys know the drill. I just want to give you one last heartfelt thank you through the sound waves before I end season two here with you tonight. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate you guys being here with me. Share the podcast, send people to my website where they can listen for free uh, and they don't even have to download an app. They can just press play and listen. They can also do it on YouTube as well. Head on over to floatonpodcast.com. You can add us on social media to keep track of adventures and see updates. And yeah, I'm going to sign off with you guys. I'm your host and producer, Daily Jean. And until next time, guys, float on.